Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. It's not always about the boobs. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Thank you, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. Hello there, my friends. Good day to you all. And welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda. It is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is August the 14th. Let's take a look at the headlines we will be visiting. Tory Lanez got sentenced. There's a follow-up to Cardi B's Vegas adventure. Disney is starting a crackdown. Dale Gribble, Subway, and more. Get comfy, everyone. Let's get started. So back on August the 20th, 2020, rapper Megan Thee Stallion claimed that Tory Lanez was the gunman who shot her in the foot following a July 12th, 2020 pool party at Kylie Jenner's house. I'm sorry, shot as in like boom, boom, bang, bang, shot, shot. Well, according to an Instagram live post, Megan claimed that she was in Lane's car with him, his bodyguard and her friend, and that the four were arguing. Megan, who was in the front seat, left the car. She alleged that Lanes then shot her through the car's back window. Megan insisted that rumors that she had hit Lanes were bogus and also said that the shooting didn't relate to Lanes's purported romantic interest in Kylie Jenner. According to TMZ, Megan originally told the cops that she'd cut her foot on some glass. Well, LAPD Detective Ryan Stogner testified in court December 14th of 2021 confirming details from Megan's account of the event to the police. And per TMZ, the detective was told that Lanes shouted dance, dance, as he fired the shots through the back window of the car and shot them at her feet, injuring her, so she fell to the ground and had to crawl to safety. Now, Megan then told the detective that a drunk Lanes tried to bribe her to, quote, keep her mouth shut because he was on probation, unquote. There's a shocker. Stogner also testified that she lied about the, the shooting at first, saying she stepped on glass because she was afraid of the police violently escalating the situation. Well, doctors at the hospital later found bullet fragments in her foot that required the surgery. might have sounded something like that but I wasn't there when Lanes was arrested it was on a charge of carrying a concealed weapon in a vehicle not for allegedly shooting Megan Lanes was charged with one felony count each of assault with a semi-automatic firearm personal use of a firearm as well as carrying a loaded unregistered firearm in a vehicle prosecutor said that he 
personally inflicted great bodily injury. And while Lanes' team tried to mount a defense... The defense is wrong! Yeah, in the end, it didn't work. So Lanes, whose real name is Daystar Peterson, by the way, was found guilty on December 23rd of 2022 of three felony firearm counts. And he was originally scheduled to be sentenced in February of this year, 2023, but his legal team filed a motion for a new trial back in March that was ultimately denied. In the months that followed, Peterson's sentencing date has just been pushed back several times. But finally, on August the 8th, Lanes was sentenced to 10 years in prison by a Los Angeles judge. And although Megan did not appear at the hearing for the Canadian rapper's sentencing, Rolling Stone reported that prosecutors read a pre-written statement on Monday. And Megan wrote that Lanes should be held fully accountable for his actions, including further traumatizing her following the incident. Barthew Barhoma, who is a member of Lanes's legal team, said appeals for both the sentence and the conviction are planned. Then the team will also file for bail when it appeals the sentence. Good luck with that one. It is being reported by Variety that after a 20-year pact, the Oscars will no longer be broadcast on Sky in the United Kingdom. Sky, which is the United Kingdom's largest pay TV broadcaster, has given up the rights to Hollywood's biggest award ceremony. The Comcast-owned company got the rights to the broadcast back from the BBC over in 2004. But previously, the two companies had just taken turns hosting the award ceremony for several years in a row. But the last deal between Sky and the Oscars, which is broadcast by the uh, Disney-owned ABC in the United States, had continued to hold strong, well, at least until now. Though they didn't give a specific reason for why Sky is foregoing the rights to next year's ceremony, many media companies are feeling the current economic strain and just have thus far really been forced to undergo a lot of cost-cutting measures. Also, live ratings for the Oscars have just continued to dwindle in the last several years. In the United States and in the UK, paired with the broadcast TV's just steady viewership decline in the era of streaming services. People are cord cutting in record numbers. They just don't want to pay for it anymore as much as they can, so numbers are dwindling everywhere, really. Although it does make me wonder why the ratings really are continuing to slide, especially after the Will Smith incident last year. Yeah, that incident. And I mean, really, why did Will Smith slap Chris Rock instead of, you know, just punching him. Um, <laughs> because paper beats rock. Dang, Raven. Well done. Well done. Well, the race to find the next UK buyer for the ceremony is going to be a very interesting litmus test for how valuable British broadcasters consider American award ceremonies, especially at this moment in time. The Oscars are really one of the few U.S. Entertainment Awards that actually airs live in the U.K. And the Sky has always felt like a very natural fit, given the broadcaster's focus on acquiring content by its HBO output deal. Yeah, but what is that? It's a, it's a major award. Absolutely, it is a major award. Well, for now, anyway.
I talked in one of my previous episodes about the wild weekend in Vegas that Cardi B had back at the end of July. So, very quick review. Cardi got a bit uh, disgruntled at a fan, for lack of a nicer term, uh, during a performance at Dre's Beach Club. When a fan splashed Cardi with a drink, Cardi turned and just chucked her microphone, striking the fan. Okay, well, thank goodness the fan actually didn't die. But now the microphone has become a little bit notorious. Fun fact. I was actually not aware that there are performers that don't use their own equipment, like microphones and such. So the microphone in question actually belonged to a company called The Wave, an audio company that just provided the device for Cardi B's show. And they decided, we're auctioning this thing off. So what did they do? They popped that sucker up on eBay put a starting price of $500 on it, and lo and behold, a week later, 120 bids, and it sold for $99,900. Holy Toledo. Somebody had fun. Oh, most definitely, most definitely. The auctioneer promised to donate 100% of the proceeds to two different charities, the Friendship Circle Las Vegas and the Wounded Warrior Project one dedicated to the special needs children and injured veterans, respectively. This has got to be probably the most expensive microphone in history. I mean, it was amazing how much somebody spent on this. But, hey, at least it's going to a great cause. A popular Twitch streamer and YouTuber has opened up about her decision to refrain from publishing lewd content on platforms like Fansly and OnlyFans, citing mental health and relationship stability as the reasons. ST Peach is a content creator that has millions of followers on both Instagram and Twitch. She got her start on Amazon's live streaming platform back in 2016 and was playing games like Counter-Strike, Global Offensive, and League of Legends to grow her immense following but she also posts over on youtube uploading kind of more vloggy videos she does video logs about fitness and travel this has been her bread and butter of her online personality gaming exercising and globetrotting all well and good but mixed in with that cool stuff was a little more lascivious stuff revealing outfits on stream overtly sexual content on her very successful Fansly account, which last time I checked had over 346,000 followers. This horny content has gotten her in trouble with Twitch before. She's incurred two temporary bans in 2022 for some allegedly skimpy cosplay. And she showed me her boobies and I like them too. So I've heard. I mean, I'm not personally checking out the account, but I've heard that her girls have made an appearance or two. Now, ST Peach is refusing to do the lewd content going forward. And while Desherto reports that she stopped publishing such content earlier this year, the broadcaster took to X, or Twitter, whatever it's called now, back on August the 4th to discuss the issue in the open, especially since chatters in her live streams kept asking her for some side of explanation, like she owes them one, but okay, whatever. 
it got to a point, she said, where I wasn't really enjoying it. And it got to a point where it felt like people always wanted more. I couldn't give them any more, unquote. I mean, honestly, she's showing off her boobs and whatever else. What more do you want from her? Live action? I mean, that's definitely not going to happen. Well, the response to S.T. Peach's decision has actually been pretty positive. Folks in her mentions were pretty happy for her, especially considering how much money Fansly and OnlyFans creators can really make. Mega popular streamer Amaranth reported earning $1.5 million from OnlyFans in September of 2022 when she did an interview with Kotaku with the intention of quitting that lewd platform to invest more in Twitch. And she's now on kick. Let's not forget that. One person said that when it comes to ST Peach, it's her body, her choice. And another one said she did everything right if she's happier. In the end, all of the comments tend to echo the same thing. They respect her decision to prioritize her mental health. This news is not really that surprising. She does still still seem to be dealing with a lot of emotional fallout. She lost her older brother just this past May and is still trying to process that because it was an unexpected death. So she's trying to focus on her health. She's focusing on her relationships. And you know what? Excellent choice for Princess Peach for making her best decision for her sake. Oh boy, Disney is at it again, and they are coming for the streaming password sharing freeloaders. Yep, all of y'all in trouble now. Taking a page from the Netflix playbook, Disney chief Bob Iger has announced that the media conglomerate has put a priority on finding ways to convert the password-borrowing users into paying customers because, you know... Hello! I like money! Oh, and a quick side note, the price of Disney Plus without ads, that's going up $3. Just saying. Yay! Price increases! On the Disney er earnings call, or their quarterly call back on August the 9th, Iger said, we are actively exploring ways to address account sharing, and the best options for paying subscribers to be able to share their accounts with family and friends. Later this year, we will begin to update our subscriber agreements with some additional terms on the sharing policies, and we will roll out tactics to drive monetization sometime in 2024, unquote. Now, currently, in subscriber agreements for Disney+, ESPN+, and Hulu, the only mention of password sharing is that customers may not, quote, Share your login credentials with third parties, unquote. Right now, they don't specifically address whether it's okay to let your family or your friends who don't live in the same household use your account, which means, I am so sorry, Mom, I have to cut you off. My bad. Surprisingly, Netflix has actually benefited from their crackdown. Back in mid-May, they rolled out their paid sharing program in more than 100 countries, and for the second quarter, Netflix added 5.9 million subscribers, which is more than double what the analysts forecasted. And I'll admit, I was wrong. I really thought the numbers wouldn't increase that much, and but I guess really, people really didn't want to miss out on The Witcher and Queen Charlotte. We're going to see if Disney can replicate this success, or is this going to be another Iger misstep? Man, I loved this show growing up. This was such a fun one to, to watch with my family. King of the Hill, the American animated sit sitcom that was created by Mike Judge and Greg Daniels for Fox, 
initially ran from January of 1997 to May of 2010, centering around the Hill family, uh, an American family in the fictional city of Arlen, Texas. And the show went, and it ended on a really, really nice high note, and they've started, they had started talking about a revival coming up, and I, and I got super excited. So I'm like, this is really cool. But there were some questions because we've, we know at the time there were at least two actors that were part of the main cast that we've lost since the show was over. We, uh, Brittany Murphy, who played the part of Luann, passed away in 2009, and Tom Petty, who played her boyfriend Lucky, he passed away in 2017. So we know we, they were either going to have to be recast or written out. The storyline was a time jump anyway, so it's possible they weren't going to have that, those characters in there. But now, unfortunately, voice actor and comedian Johnny Hardwick, who was widely known for providing the voice of the fan-favorite character of Dale Gribble, has passed away. Per TMZ, local law enforcement visited Hardwick's home in Texas to do a welfare check, and they did this back on the 8th of August. They reportedly found his body inside his home and pronounced him at the scene. There were no additional details revealed, but it was noted that foul play wasn't suspected. Hardwick was 64. He's a native Texan, and Hardwick got his start in show business by performing stand-up comedy. And through that comedy, he captured the attention of Mike Judge and Greg Daniels. And the two offered him a job as a writer for the show and felt that his comedy which just really helped capture that Texan humor vibe that they were going for. Now, originally, fun fact, Daniel Stern was actually who they wanted for the voice of Dale. But that fell through, and Hardwick ended up snagging the role because he had a voice that was just perfect for the chain-smoking conspiracy theorist. I'll be in my thing call. With Hardwick taking over the role, Dale would be immensely popular with the fans, and he would voice him through the entire 13-season run of King of the Hill. So here comes the news of the revival, and it had been announced that Hardwick was coming back and joining the other voice cast members. But it has been since confirmed Hardwick didn't complete his lines before he passed. It was an unfinished product. But out of respect for Hardwick, Judge and Daniels haven't announced any plans going forward, and honestly... It's really unclear where production on the revival stands because of the writer strike anyway. So we're not waiting to hear anything on that one out of respect for Hardwick. We're just going to let them figure it out and enjoy the reruns and re and just enjoy the craziness of Dale. Rest in peace, Mr. Hardwick. Or should I say... You mean Rusty Shackleford? Yeah, I thought so. Hurricane Dora is a Pacific typhoon that has trekked over 4,800 miles so far across the eastern and central Pacific basins. And while Dora passed south of the state of Hawaii by several hundred miles, it's actually helping to cause massive devastation to the islands. By enhancing the differences in pressure of weather, strong winds have been fanning the flames of damaging and deadly wildfires. Much of Hawaii was under a red flag warning for fire risk already when a wildfire broke out around August the 8th. The exact cause of the blaze, of the blaze we actually still don't know yet what, what caused it, but we do know the winds came through and now there's just so much devastation. The town of Lahaina 
has been completely destroyed. It's in rubble. And as of August the 11th, there were 55 confirmed dead. I do believe that number has been updated to over 80. Authorities are saying more than 11,000 people had to be evacuated from the island. 14 people on the northwest side had to escape the flames and the smoke by jumping off cliffs into the ocean. And this was per NBC News. The good news is that those citizens were rescued by the Coast Guard. Hollywood has started to rally to help the citizens of Hawaii. But I know there's one in particular that's taking this devastation pretty hard. Aquaman star Jason Momoa is a Honolulu native. What does home mean to me? It's my sanctuary. And now Jason has taken to social media to express his reaction to the wildfire situation on the island of Maui and tell his followers how they can help. On his Instagram, he wrote, We are devastated and heartbroken for our friends and Ohana on Maui. Link in our bio for organizations that are helping. Momoa then also posted photos from several organizations on the island explaining the devastation currently happening and showing the progress or devastation of the wildfires. And I believe they said there were three of them ongoing. The post also highlights several organizations that people can donate to, including the Act Blue Emergency Fundraiser for Maui Fire and the Hawaii Community Foundation's Maui Strong Fund. Performers Carlos and Alexa Penavega have called Maui home since they relocated from Los Angeles back in 2017. The couple took to the Big Time Rushes stars Instagram stories to shed light on the devastation. And the couple and their three children assured the fans they were safe and they weren't currently in Hawaii, but were already heading back to assist in any way that they could. For those interested, feel free to visit Jason Momoa's page. I will link the, his Instagram in my comment section as well as several of the other links that were posted for donations to help. There, there's a lot of devastation. The, the death toll starting to climb. More people are getting displaced. They just can't seem to get a handle on this fire. So um, best wishes to those out there dealing with this. And keep everybody safe. And we'll update as we hear more. All Elite Wrestling has been seen as a young upstart company, not even in the same league as longtime wrestling juggernaut WWE. But their star power has grown rapidly in the last couple years, embracing those left behind by the WWE and are now being looked at as an actual legitimate rival. AEW will be putting on their next pay-per-view on August the 27th called All In at the legendary Wembley Stadium in London. This will be the biggest pay-per-view in the young company's history. I mean, honestly, they've only been around since 2019. Ticket sales for the upcoming all-in pay-per-view continue to climb week by week ever since it was announced. The latest numbers from WrestleTix have the total sale currently at 79346 which puts it past WWE's SummerSlam 1992 event at the same venue with 79127 200 more tickets for AEW. That year's SummerSlam was not only WWE's first pay-per-view to take place outside of North America, 
It was the only major pay-per-view in the United Kingdom, at least until Clash at the Castle in 2022. All In has already surpassed that show in ticket sales, which only had 62,296, and it quadrupled WWE's most recent UK pay-per-view, Money in the Bank 2023. The show is shaping up to be another victory for Tony Khan, who recently responded to Paul Levesque, a.k.a. Triple H, who referred to the AEW as a secondary promotion during the American Nightmare Becoming Cody Rhodes documentary. Khan told the Orlando Sentinel, We certainly won't be the secondary promotion at All In. We're number one in the UK, on TV, and with a record gate. I have a lot of respect for Cody. I know those weren't his words, to be fair, but we're not secondary in a lot of markets. For the first time in a long time, the WWE has been secondary in a lot of markets. I'm proud of where we're at, and we're not taking a back seat to anybody, unquote. Look who's secondary now, Paul, and I got two words for you. Suck it! Oh, now that takes me back. Say, WWE's attitude area was just something else, wasn't it? Late on August the 11th, Tony Khan announced that their yearly AEW Fight for the Fallen charity event will take place August 16th, 18th, and 19th. Fight for the Fallen was established back in 2019, and it's held annually during the summer as an event to raise money for different causes. Well, this year, Tony Khan has announced that AEW will be raising money for the Maui Food Bank in response to the wildfire tragedy. I I see this as an absolute win. Gen Con is the largest tabletop game convention. And this year it took place from August 3rd to August 6th in Indianapolis, Indiana. Gen Con has been around since 1968 and it started as the Lake Geneva War Games Convention by Gary Gygax, you know, the guy who later created Dungeons and Dragons. And it was first held in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, and then eventually ended up through Milwaukee and into Indianapolis as of 2003. This year's event, though, it had a little bit of an unexpected Ocean's Eleven-like twist to it. All right, chaps. Hang on to your niggas. Thanks for that piece of advice, Basher. I don't plan on removing them anytime soon. Well, apparently, thieves launched a heist at the convention and stole about $300,000 worth of product. Yep, that's what I said. $300,000. The alleged thieves reportedly acquired a pallet jack before removing a pallet of trading cards while the vendors were setting up at the Gen Con stall. The cards were moved to an unknown location, and they are still missing. But they did confirm to be Magic the Gathering card, so it looks like somebody may have played a vanishing card because, as reported by Dicebreaker, the Indianapolis Metropolitan Police Department is currently seeking help identifying two people of interest who are possibly involved, and they can't find them. Trading card theft has become more and more common, apparently, and this is, I guess, unsurprising since a single card could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not a couple of million, right? Our last episode featured the story of Post Malone, of all people, spending $2 million on a Magic the Gathering card, you know, the one ring. Tokyo police reported an unprecedented number of trading card thefts in the latter half of 2022, while an independent gaming store in Minnesota reportedly had about $250,000 worth of Pokemon merchandise taken in February of 22 as well. 
one month later, back in Tokyo, a man was arrested for allegedly launching a heist in order to steal more Pokemon cards. Catch them all, not steal them all. Pikachu would be so disappointed. Bruce Lee was a Hong Kong American martial artist and an actor whose career spanned Hong Kong and the United States. He was the founder of Jeet Kune Do, a hybrid martial arts philosophy drawing from different combat disciplines that is pretty often credited with just paving the way for modern mixed martial arts. Now, Lee passed away in July of 1973 at the age of 32 from a cerebral edema, or too much fluid in the brain. Lee was mourned worldwide and has since been honored with awards and statues. And now, a new anime about the legendary martial artist called House of Lee is coming in 2024. According to Deadline, the first trailer for the project will launch alongside the upcoming 50th anniversary 4K re-release of Enter the Dragon, which appears in theaters August the 16th. Lee's daughter, Shannon Lee, said anime is an amazing medium for telling a truly creative story where Bruce Lee can just be Bruce Lee. I'm so excited for the possibilities for action, fantasy, history, culture, and creativity all within this medium. Bruce Lee Entertainment has reportedly eyed a Bruce Lee anime for years now and has now partnered with Shibuya and its co-founder, artist Emily Yang, for the project. The Enter the Dragon 4K re-release debuts in 650 theaters across the U.S. with the House of Lee trailer attached. House of Lee is described as an action fantasy series that sees the legendary Bruce Lee assemble a team of dragon warriors to stop the world from plunging into darkness and shadow. The show reportedly takes inspiration from a famous Bruce Lee quote, Those who are unaware they are walking in darkness will never seek the light. Shannon Lee went on to say, I love Emily and Shibuya's perspective. They are such creative, hardworking, skilled artists with an amazing brand. I just knew they would be the perfect collaborators. The organic way that it all came together speaks volumes of our potential collaboration. And it's been great, unquote. This honestly looks like it's going to be a very exciting addition to Lee's legacy. And the fact that the Lee family is closely working with the creators gives me hope that it will be successful. In water, my friend. I suppose there was a time when the thought of conducting interviews over Zoom or Skype was unheard of. So perhaps the idea of interviewing candidates inside of a virtual world really isn't such a wild concept, especially when in the case of Roblox, the virtual world that you're interviewing inside is for the very platform you're trying to work for. The Roblox Career Center is being touted as an immersive experience where would-be candidates can drop in for information all about working for the company. A blog post from the VP of Talent Acquisition, Jason Buss, promises it to be a place where candidates can learn more about the complex technical challenges we're tackling and the innovation we're driving through immersive events, podcasts, and conversations with Roblox employees. There are places to go and listen to clips of the Roblox 
podcast while your character sits awkwardly stiff, perfectly upright with their arms sitting rigidly either side, you know, at attention. There is also a curated selection of books and other reading materials to help wannabe employees prepare for interviews, plus a variety of virtual immersive events that the company is planning to hold throughout the year. Roblox even wants to start interviewing its candidates right inside the game, or experience as they desperately want you to call it, sometime in the near future. Coming soon, we'll be inviting candidates to conduct certain initial interviews directly within the experience, and this is according to that blog post. Personally, I really couldn't imagine positioning that awkwardly stiff doll next to a recruiter's awkwardly stiff doll to conduct an interview that could potentially shape my future, but you know, what do I know? We all know how well digital meetings can go, though. I mean, it's not like someone will just randomly go and do something incredibly... Oh my god, he did it. Oh my god, he just ran in. Stupid. Yeah, just like that. I suppose it's a rather interesting concept and one that might help first-time career hunters be more comfortable if they've grown up playing Roblox. Anyone can visit the Career Center whether they're job hunting or not, so if you fancy learning about Roblox on Roblox, just head right over there right now and check it out. But I do have to wonder, is there a dress code for these interviews? I mean, should I dress my character in business attire or can I stay in that Stormtrooper outfit? Hmm. It's time for the box office breakdown. Welcome back to the box office breakdown. Who took the top spot for this week? Did Barbenheimer return or did the shark stay between them? Also, we have a new release to talk about. So the last voyage of the Demeter set sail this weekend and promptly sank without a trace, going to a watery grave with just 6.5 million. The film is loosely adapted from Bram Stoker's 1897 novel Dracula, specifically chapter 7. In the book, the Demeter ship runs aground on the beach of an English coastal town after a terrible storm. Local police and Coast Guard climb aboard only to discover the entire crew is missing except for the captain, who is dead, tied to the ship's wheel. This was Universal's second stab at reviving the world's most famous vampire, with Last Spring's Renfield, a campy take on the bloodsucker, being the first. The last voyage cost $45 million to produce and ranks as another box office whiff for Amblin Studios, Steven Spielberg's production company. Fueling its demise is the paltry 27% approval rating from the top critics on Rotten Tomatoes. And audiences seem to agree, with the cinema score survey of ticket buyers giving it a pretty lackluster B- rating. All of this just may seem to add up to be a stake through the heart of Dracula movies and reboots just for the foreseeable future. The problem with movies about the undead, however, is just it's really awfully hard to kill them off. Now, with audiences steering clear of The Last Voyage, which got relegated to fifth place for the week, Barbie continued to rule the world. The Warner Brothers release earned another $33.7 million to capture the first place 
for the fourth week in a row, bringing its domestic total to a glittering $526 million. Oppenheimer took back its well-earned second-place spot, earning $18.8 million for the weekend, bringing domestic ticket sales for Christopher Nolan's look at the life of atomic bomb creator J. Robert Oppenheimer to $264 million. This is a very impressive figure for an R-rated drama, honestly. Paramount Pictures' Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' Mutant Mayhem took third place this weekend, earning $15.7 million. The animated feature, which was produced by Nickelodeon Movies and Point Grey Productions, has a domestic total of $72.8 million after two weeks of release. Meg 2, which was our second place last week, dropped to number four. It had a $30 million opening weekend, but earned $12.7 in the second week. That brings the Warner Brothers Adventure Stateside Hall to $54.5 million. It has to be asked at this point, though, what is it going to take to get the number one spot? Barbie can't stay there forever. Now, Blue Beetle is coming out later this week, but with the current DC situation and the fans, I just don't think that Blue Beetle is going to have enough momentum to be the one to take over number one so it's going to be fun to see who's going to be able to take barbie down and now for something different weird and offbeat news lovers unite for i have stories for you well it's been a little while since i've heard this jingle Well, fans of Subway, would you change your name to Subway in order to get free Subway subs for life? Nearly 10,000 sandwich lovers said yes in just 96 hours. Subway revealed the overwhelming response to its name change challenge. Thousands of superfans were willing and ready to legally change their name to Subway and unlock a lifetime of delicious sandwiches if selected as a winner. Well, at least they weren't asking us to change our name to Jared. Announced back on July 26, the name change challenge entry period ran from August 1st to August 4th. Subway will name, quote unquote, the winner later this month. And the newly named Subway individual will enjoy free sandwiches for life from Subway's biggest refresh yet. Following the debut of freshly sliced meats in U.S. restaurants and elevating its entire menu, earlier this summer. They had a new lineup of Deli Hero subs to its Subway series menu. In addition, the winner will receive money to reimburse the legal and processing costs in order to complete the name change process. And if that's not dedication to a brand, I don't know what is. Okay, so a little bit of a trigger warning. If you're not fond of stories about eight-legged little nopes, you might want to avoid this next story of ours. And by nopes, I mean spiders. A supermarket in Austria had to close this last week after a venomous Brazilian wandering spider was spotted wandering around in the bananas. TMZ reported citing fears that a bite from this deadly creature can cause long-lasting, painful erections. I could have sworn that this was a story straight out of Australia, but I double-checked. It's Austria. The penny market in Krems an der Danu 
which is about 45 minutes west of Vienna, the nation's capital, has reportedly been closed since August the 8th. The store manager allegedly rang the fire department after spotting the four-inch black and red creepy crawly. Helpers sealed the store's banana crates, but the spider is still at large. The Brazilian wandering spider's venom stimulates an erection that can last for hours, according to live science. Citizens are being advised to watch for evidence of the spider's presence, such as random people being happy to see you. Silly quagmire. Those who are bitten by the spider can suffer high blood pressure and pain throughout their bodies. According to Dr. Romolo Liete of the Medical College of Georgia, who has been studying the spider, he said, this erection is a side effect that everybody who gets stung by the spider will experience, along with pain and discomfort. We're hoping eventually this will lead up into the development of real drugs for the treatment of erectile dysfunction. Back in 2012, Smithsonian Magazine suggested the spider could work as the next Viagra. But it doesn't seem like this idea has legs, at least not yet. But please, no one try to be Spider-Man with this one, okay? Let's leave it alone. This is not the first time that this type of venomous spider has wandered into Europe. Back in May of 2017, hundreds of these spiders infiltrated someone's bananas that they had purchased from a supermarket in the UK. And this is according to the BBC. The spiders spurred the family to evacuate their home. Honestly, for me, that type of infestation calls for nothing less than the flamethrower. Well, we're boned. So today we covered a story about some special spider bites, a Bruce Lee anime, and some stolen trading cards, a massive wildfire, Cardi B's microphone, and the loss of a good voice talent. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you, I do include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. Also, don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there's a story you want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember, friends, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in the Starter Zone.